Fear Itself is sponsored by Oto, my go-to CBD brand. Oto has created the world's highest strength CBD shots, making them perfect for enjoying your daily dose of CBD on the go. There are three truly unique flavors available, each designed around three key moments in your daily ritual. Focus, amplify and balance. Whether you're looking for the perfect morning pick-me-up or you need help relaxing before bed, Oto's collection of functional CBD shots are perfectly designed to enhance the natural rhythm of your day. I love their taste, but I was skeptical about these shots at first. However, after taking one each morning, I have truly noticed a difference in my mood and energy levels. It does really set me up for my day. Available online at their website, otocbd.com. Why not try them yourself and see if Oto helps you find your space? I'm George, and I'm afraid of not reaching my full potential. I'm Leo, and I'm afraid of failure. Welcome to Fear Itself, with me, Cressida Bonus. In this podcast, I'll be having conversations with people about their personal stories around fear. In my experience, fear can be motivational, but it can also really hold me back, and I'm curious to understand this dynamic a bit better. How does fear show up? How do people try to hide it? How can we harness it, and what can we learn from it? My guests this week are Leo Russell and George Stagg, two amateur cyclists who, in 2019, cycled across some of the toughest mountains in Europe to raise money for a charity close to my heart called James's Place, a centre that offers support and therapy to men who are experiencing suicidal crisis. They cycled 3,200 kilometres in 18 days, climbing nine of the toughest mountains in Europe through snowy peaks and torrential rain and have now made an award-winning documentary about the experience called Nine Mountains. This was actually the first episode I recorded and I was really interested to know what mental and physical barriers they faced on a ride that explored the limits of their bodies and minds. They talk about how their fears of failure and not reaching their full potential pushed them on, how working in a team gave them strength and why it was important to them to raise money for James's place. Hi guys. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Congratulations. Thank what you a very feat. much. Thank you. I really want to talk about the challenge, but first, can we just talk about these fears that you have? So when I asked you about them on email George you came back with this quote I fear that by not achieving and doing well in our life careers etc we have somehow failed ourselves and our families but I just really wanted to talk about where this comes from I think it comes from I guess from growing up having you know being given this pretty amazing life uh, which you know I'm eternally grateful to my parents for and I'm just very conscious of that and not almost like not paying my parents back and not through like a monetary sense, but like paying them back through through doing well. And I know they would never care. You know, I, I don't have parents who'd be like, oh, my God, you're not succeeding in your job. You know, they were never strong on me in terms of like, oh, you're not doing really well in your studies. You're a failure. It's just a personal thing. Like, I feel like I haven't done well enough if I'm not showing them that I'm that I'm doing well in life. Mm-hmm. And this isn't like something that's really got into my, you know, I haven't had any mental problems from it and it hasn't 
push me away from doing things. But that's just something I think about a lot when mm. I'm working and when I'm motivating myself during the day. Mm. And Leo, you said similarly that you're, you're afraid of failing, which I think so many people are afraid of. Uh, can you talk to me a bit about that? I think there's two things. I want to make sure that I don't fail at what I'm trying to do, but also that I do whatever I do to my best ability and put everything into it. And I can see definitely in myself that throughout anything I do or most things I do, that fear drives me on to just do that little bit extra every time or you know, to make sure that whenever I go into something, I go into it head on and make sure I'm giving it my all so that I don't let myself down and let people down around me that might be involved in whatever it is. And whenever you go into all those, anything that it's from a small thing to a big thing, failing does concern me, definitely. Mm. Where do you think this actually comes from? Do you think it's just comes from a really young age? I mean, can you remember a time where that kind of set in this idea of failing? Uh, yeah, I think I, at school, was bottom of the set at everything and didn't do that well academically. And I was always younger to my two older brothers and sister who were, you know, when you're growing up, they're taller than you, stronger than you. And they will joke that I used to, you know, th throw tantrums when I'd lose at tennis. But I think all of that has made me actually not a competitive person at all. Mm. And I don't really put myself into that many competitive circumstances. But I think the failing is more probably a competitiveness within myself. Because I think you do get taught at school that, you know, it's good in your math class to be at the top, not at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And that you are a failure if you're at the bottom, which is, a, I think, a big problem with education in itself, but that's a different question yeah. and discussion no, altogether. I certainly had that at school where you get told you're rubbish at something and therefore you're so young you can't understand that actually that's okay that you're not good at something and but you're good at another thing. It doesn't mean that you are yeah. a failure. And do you think it's there's more pressure for men because there's this idea that they have to support their families and succeed where we have grown up, I'd definitely say there is pressure on the man to be strong and, and to, you know, provide. And it's quite an ancient sort of way of looking at things. It's, it's hard as well because you go through school and then you might go to university or not, but you get to the point where you start working and you um, will always be at the bottom of the food chain. And you suddenly go from being a big person to a very small person. And you realise actually that your chances and your opportunities to succeed are very small and that is often a crushing realization to make mm -hmm. which is often leads to people having very bad mental health issues mm -hmm. particularly in their in their you know in their first half of their 20s all the way through to their latter 20s and that's definitely something i've experienced where you know you, that realization is a is a big big thing because you actually you know you realize your high, your high chances are you're not going to be a millionaire and you're not going to make loads of money and you're not going to live in that big house and like you know these are all big things that you've been thinking about yeah. a lot and you're sort of getting to that moment where you're like oh shit like I'm actually this like, might not I'm, happen this might not happen I'm probably not going to be that person and I've got to live with that 
and that is really really difficult but I suppose at some point and I think you've got to work out whether your your fear is is a, is a competitive thing with your peers or with yourself because mm. you know sometimes you're, you're never going to be the best person you're, if your mind works in one particular way you're never going to be the best person that's mm. the things which you struggle with so if you're in a job or in a circumstance which you will never succeed at or be as strong as the the rest of the people in the mm. group you're always going to feel like a failure mm. so i think but then you've always i mean i guess then you've, you've got to find the thing that you're really good at and again it's really difficult so like when we were coming out of school going to university etc i was definitely under the impression that there were certain industries you needed to go into that were considered respectable and you could make good money and it was the good thing to go and do but actually your real skill set lies somewhere something incredibly creative or something artistic or whatever but you're never like you're never going to be happy until you come to that realization that you should put your energy somewhere else and go and do something else yeah and just um it just interests me because do you ever get to a point where you think yeah i've reached my full this is my full potential like what is your full potential what does that mean yeah like you know you're 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 reaching a potential of some sort when you're doing well and you're thriving and you're enjoying what you're doing like for me a big thing was enjoyment so you might do well at a task you may never have enjoyed the task and you may have got lucky or something like but if you if you really really enjoy something you're you're probably going to thrive at it and you'll probably do well at it because you're very passionate about it you're very interested in it you're Mm. you know it depends what the task or job or project is but like you're always going to do better something you really enjoy to something you don't enjoy and and that for me is filling your potential like that's reaching your potential Mm. you'll never fully reach your potential because it's probably infinite but at least then you know Mm. you're reaching some sort of potential that you have as a person Mm. and failing when you decided to do this mammoth challenge you guys were amateur cyclists, not professional cyclists, so you could have easily failed at this. I think the main realisation of the fact that we had bitten off way more than we had ever realised was possible in our abilities was probably actually day one of our trip. But I don't think we ever quite acknowledged how tough it was going yeah. to be. But at the same time, we knew that we wanted to go into this project to put ourselves in positions which is way beyond our physical and mental mm-hmm. sort of limits of what we know our limits to be and to push ourselves into finding the sort of our body's ability and our mind's ability to cope through, you know, all sorts of problems. So it had to be huge to get into that sort of realm but at the same time I think definitely for me what drove me to keep going every single day was was that fear of failure and Mm. not fulfilling you know their full potential and whilst you would wake up we would wake up many mornings all throughout the day being excruciating pain mentally or physically not ever wanting to give up and not wanting to admit failure and admit that actually no I can't go on anymore Mm allowed us to find a completely different sort of ability within ourselves and would you say that pushed you for me definitely yeah and the failure wasn't i mean you've got to if you look at the failure in the bigger picture we we were working so hard for about eight months up to the point of leaving so people won't appreciate how much work goes into like a challenge like this in terms of logistics 
organization planning, all of it, training, we were training six days a week, like everything. And then when you get on that challenge and it becomes really difficult and you're like, I can't fail this because like you've done so much, you let so many people down, you let yourself, like the whole thing just suddenly comes down at one moment you're like fuck I can't fail this like we've done so much to get to this point if mm. if I fail now like eight months of my life would have been wasted of course it wouldn't have been wasted and we'd already done so much good to that point I hope we had done good to that point but still like so much went into that mm. which maybe people won't realize that actually if you did fail it it would be pretty bad I would have been beyond gutted like I don't know what my mental state would have been like after that and can you talk about where this whole idea came from and why? I think, well, both of us have gradually got into cycling more and more over the last few years. And I've definitely found that it's been an amazing source of getting out of the city, releasing any stress or just finding yourself away from the stresses, you've got to be focused, you've got to be on form, focused, having slept well and very driven to actually go out and cycle, which, you know, if you're not maintaining all of that whilst you're cycling, you're going to fall off and it's going to be a disaster. So I think through a lot of that, we very much saw that the mind and mental health was something that was very strong within cycling. And there's a lot of discussion that you know, your power and your, your fitness within cycling is one thing, but the mental strength is the most important thing to, to getting anywhere within cycling. Mm. And I think with that and our interest in cycling and want to push ourselves to the limits, we came up with this idea of the most ludicrous ride we could think of with the idea that it would firstly push ourselves to the limits and we'd find ourselves trying to cope through difficulties but also to try to raise awareness for mental health and you know ultimately funds for James's place because I think you know definitely I've seen it in my family mental health problems but also they're everywhere mm -hmm. and that just I don't know it made it really real what we were doing like we were doing this crazy challenge for a cause that like was just becoming more and more yeah. encompassing for us like realizing that it's just like affecting everyone and the statistics are miserable and that was a real driving point for us yeah yeah and for people that don't know what 3300 kilometers is in sporting times can you explain that yeah i think we are averaging yeah. quite a lot over 100 miles a day we we were kind of doing continuous exercise from the moment you get up so we'd normally try and leave 7 seven thirty, get up at six pretty much till the end of the day mm -hmm. so of course with cycling you can take it easy and free will and you're not necessarily exerting a lot of effort or getting your heart rate up but it's more just that you're on the saddle you're continuous all day long yeah. you do have breaks you know you'd have breaks in the morning because we had to eat a lot to complete the challenges we'd have a lunch break of an hour hour and a half while we're sitting down and eating but also it wasn't necessarily the mileage that was was the challenge i mean the mileage was a huge part but the climbing was was massive was that the hardest bit yeah the climbing yeah. the climbing's so damaging on your body and you you know we climbed a stupid amount with hindsight on the first day I think it was eight and a half times Mount, the altitude of Mount Everest. Yeah. Wow. Which, again, means nothing, but it's, it's a lot of climbing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and both of us came away from it broken, like really, really broken mm. um, from day one. Yeah, but the the, the misleading thing is so on nine mountains thing we just that was what we conjured up at the beginning because there were nine very difficult mountain passes, but we did so much climbing and we went over so many mountains like you can't go to a mountain range just to do one mountain because it's most likely going to be in the mountain range you have to go over mountains to get to that mountain, so we we went over some amazing beautiful climbs and mountains that we didn't even mention on our website or anything. The funniest thing, the funny thing is, is I think probably one of the hardest climbs was actually one that it was not one of our nine mountains yeah and was crossing from the middle of the pyrenees um over this huge mountain into spain and halfway up the mountain you you cross the border and i mean that was horrific yeah and actually it was worse than the one of the many of the yeah. nine mountains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think for the if as a cyclist and if you watch any professional cycling, those nine are very iconic mm. um, yeah. within the sport, and they're known as the you know the ones that you might want to tick off in your life, or the ones that you will always see professionals race up. Mm. Mm. And after two days, how did that affect you physically and mentally? Day one was massive, and um, you were very ill. Though day one, yeah, I was. I was, in, I was in. I was in Yeah, I. I thought you were going to say something when you. <laughs> it was extreme sniffles. <laughs> you, you were under the weather. Yeah, I. Yeah, I got ill about uh, a week before we set off, and having thought I was fine, it turns out that I probably wasn't as well as I thought I was. But I had nothing major, just being a bit under the weather. But that day was an enormous amount of climbing and both of us, whilst we had trained as much as we possibly could and done as much climbing as we possibly could, we had never climbed anything like the Zonkland, for instance, which was the mountain we finished on at the end of day one. And it left us with very wrecked knees, both of us, unbelievable tightness the next day and you know that you've got to go and cycle for a whole day mm. I mentally I was terrified to be honest yeah. To, yeah. To, to well of the, because of not wanting to fail mm. but also I think it was quite it was very interesting actually because finishing it we were a team of five two of which was George and I cycling um, and the rest were supporting us the other three and at no point did anyone show weakness? And whilst I know in myself, I sat there at the end of day one and woke up on day two, very worried about how I felt injury wise and mentally worrying about what was to come. But we never ever sort of let or let down that guard to show the the sort of insecurities, which I think massively is part of of getting through it because mm. we were always geeing each other up mm. and the whole team was always positive in, in that direction. So even if you felt something, a negative emotion arise that day, what would you do with it? Would you just bury it or you just wouldn't go there? Throughout the whole process, we would, we you had to acknowledge your pains and your suffering because you would have eventually really broken down. So we, we stopped on many occasions just to sit there and take a breath. And luckily the guys supporting us 
would be able to give us massages and try to make ourselves feel better, eat or whatever it might be. Mm. But we wanted and to make sure we never gave up and yeah. battled on. So we had someone filming the whole thing who was the third person of the support crew that were helping us. And so that I had to stop because my knee got, well, my leg got so bad at one point. And I think I said, like, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I don't want to let you down. I don't want to let, I don't want to let Leo down. I don't want to let all the people following this down all the people had given us money to the charity like all these people that had given us their money so we'd complete the challenge yeah it was in the front of my mind throughout the whole trip but definitely in probably the second half of the trip I would be thinking about it almost constantly mm. but that's because I was in a lot of pain and I just didn't want to let people down that's mm. do you think the mental challenges were, were um, harder than the physical challenges we couldn't have entered it any sort of more prepared physically, I think. But physically, it was a massive challenge. And physically, we were sore and we had injuries throughout the whole thing. But I think mentally, there were so many weaknesses you had to get through on a daily basis. And to keep getting up and running at the same wall as such is so hard. When you're in day, you know, day three, day four, day five, you actually don't ever really see the the end of this journey actually until, well, day 18 was when we finished it, but was also the, probably the biggest climb we did. So I, I think getting up and, and mentally pulling yourself through that every day was personally, I reckon, harder than the physical side of it mm. because there were so many moments we could have just taken the easier option and just said, actually, you know what? We've given it a good go, and let's yeah. let's, let's just roll the record yeah. on this. <laughs> but you know, I think I think what what was very interesting as well is definitely doing it as a team because mentally you see a very very different side of yourself, which actually I think I would have massively struggled on my own mm. and without mm. without knowing that you know Stag was there to support me when I was feeling rubbish or the team was everyone was there to look after you when you were down but also that you had to pull someone else through it when mm -hmm. they were down or you know when when things went wrong with the whole project because you know we were camping every night we didn't know where we were staying every night our routes we had planned to the nth degree but so many things went wrong mm -hmm. and it was a constant firefight of trying to make sure we had done a certain number of miles, but also rerouting at the same time to make sure that, you know, we, we would be able to get to where we were going. And, you know, that mental battle was what made the physical battle actually sometimes sit at the back mm. of the mm. queue sort of thing. But if you're, if you're cycling, so were you cycling as like a, uh, like a mental release? And I absolutely love it for that reason. But when you're used to using cycling for that, but then actually cycling becomes like a torture, basically, um, where where you're not appreciating. We were going through the most incredible, most beautiful terrain in Europe. Like you can't beat it, but I couldn't appreciate it. I couldn't take it in because your mind is just uh, playing the problems that you're experiencing. I found over and over, yeah, over and over and over. And then you're trying to like stop your mind playing tricks on you. So you're in physical pain, but you know. The physical pain isn't such that like you haven't broken your leg. It's not like you're not going to walk again. You can't walk in general. You can't continue the task that you're doing. 
but it's trying to tell you to stop and it's always trying to tell you. It's like the devil on your shoulder just saying like, stop, stop, stop. And I just have like hours of going through really beautiful terrain and I was just staring at the road ahead of me or like staring at my like handlebars and I'm just like, oh my God, like I can't do this anymore. Cause it's just, I became, I remember becoming really angry at myself. I'm like, why am I so weak? Why is my body letting me down like this? Like why am I not stronger physically? But then you're like, what am I talking about? I'm like, I've already done more than I ever thought I was physically capable of. Yeah. Like, just try and get through it. And you know, in an, you know, you know, in an hour's time or two hours time, you'll come out of that cycle and you'll be feeling better and fresher and maybe more positive and you'll eat and you'll feel better about yourself. And then you dive straight back into that <laughs> hole like two hours later and you just have to pull yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. But I think Your mind I is incredible. What, so that's the most incredible thing is to see how your body can recover and how your mind can keep you going. Because we got ourselves, I reckon, every other day to the point where you're pretty much passing out whilst you're doing, whilst you're cycling, and to the point where you literally have nothing left. And on a daily basis, finishing the ride, genuinely not being able to move another inch. And yet you have to, you know, you've got such a strict regime, you have to you have to stretch, you have to roll, you have to have a massage, you have to eat, you have to get to bed and you then have to like mentally calm yourself down to get to sleep and get enough sleep so that you can do it again the next day. When you already know at the end of that day, you had nothing left. Yeah. So where are you going where, where to get this from tomorrow? Yeah. And you go to try to go to sleep sitting there being like, I had nothing left but I've got 200 kilometers to do tomorrow Mm. and the next day and the next day and the next day. But I think when you break it down and look at it with hindsight, it doesn't really seem feasible, but when you're, when we were in the moment, your mind and your body just has this innate ability to cope and to get itself through unimaginable pain and difficulties. Yeah. And that's, it's such a big takeaway after doing it. Like when you, when you put it into perspective of what you're capable of from mental and physical, you then realize actually like petty things that we've come back to now are just kind of small fry and, you know, they shouldn't hold you back because actually we are all capable of amazing things, Mm. you know, physically, mentally. And we, we have that ability to bounce back. We have that ability to get through difficult situations which at the time seem insurmountable, but actually you can get through it and you always will get through it. You just have to like battle on. Mm. Was there a time that was really frightening? There were definitely moments on the top of mountains or going up mountains, which were frightening in a sense that we were putting ourselves in quite dangerous positions. Because you're right on the top of the mountain. Right on the top of the mountain, the weather being absolutely barbaric, being so cold that you can't really control your body properly. And I remember going down a hill, shivering to the point where my whole front wheel was moving so much that the bike was not really in much control. And things like that, which I think is dangerous and frightening in that sense. Mm. But then I think mentally we've already spoken about day one which I think Mm. for both of us was seriously tough on a personal level I towards the end of it in the middle of Spain I found myself in a really really 
bad position, um, sort of semi-conscious for, I don't know how many hours it was, but quite a few hours of the day. And definitely for me, that was the worst physical state I've ever found myself in, whilst also not wanting to give up, which I think, you know, our support crew, which two of them were my brothers, I think they, I remember Noah saying to me, saying, look, Leah, I know you, you don't want us to stop you because you, you, you're going to push yourself to the limit here. But that is, it's just too dangerous. It's too stupid. And you just can't do that because you're going to end up in a bad way. So I think that, that definitely for, for me was probably my difficult mm. moment. Mm. And so what you just, how did you deal with that when they said that? Did you just think, well, I'm just going to get up and carry on or did... I don't think you were confident like, at that yeah, point. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, um, I, I don't think, I don't think for, for a lot of that day I was necessarily in my mind. So I wasn't probably thinking that rationally. Yeah. And I, I do remember saying at that moment, saying to Noah, listen, if, if it gets, to, this was after a point where it had got really, really bad. And saying to him, listen, if it gets that point again, just stop me. Because otherwise, I, I, I saw that day that having thought I would always stop myself at a point where it starts to get too dangerous. It, I saw in myself that I actually couldn't stop myself. And that I had mentally got into a point or a position where my mind and rash, rationale had disappeared. Because mm. some people talk about exhaustion and they start seeing weird things and start hallucinating, but you, you guys didn't have that. One of the days I remember, I can't remember where we were, but we were, it was the end of the day, and it was so long at the end of the day, yeah. And I, you were like, you're right, buddy. And I was just like going all over the road and like you have to eat a lot, like you have to get like your sugar intake back and get electrolytes in. And the last bit, I just felt seriously fruity, like, was just seeing weird things. It was just a bit like, oh, get me out of this. But you're not really, again, you're like, you're kind of not really conscious. You just go out of like, I can't really make a comparison to being drunk, but you're kind of like that, but very like headed. Like you don't really feel that in control of your body. So when you, when you camped out, did you just, just find anywhere or were there specific marks that you had to hit? We would always be staying at campsites. So, right, okay. so we would we would plan our day to finish at a campsite, which on one day we would turn up and the campsite didn't exist anymore, or it had closed down. So get there too late. Get there too late, and it was closed one one evening, which then creates these a whole realm of problems. Mm. But it was always setting up camp in a campsite where you could have a shower and get clean and get sort of a good night's sleep without the local farmer sort of beating you off his land in the, in the middle of the night. Yeah. But we, Noah, March and Laurie, who we were with, were like setting up the camp for us, like doing our food, massages, and like helping us so much. And we wouldn't have been able to do it without them. And, and from that point, like we couldn't have set up at camp at that point. Like we were just, every night we were completely ruined. Like physically, we didn't really have the energy to do anything. So, you know, without them, we, we wouldn't have been able yeah. to do what Leah's just described. I mean, what's it. nice is I always think when you were doing this is that you were, there was a real team. By the team, yeah. Yeah, yeah we always say, like, and genuinely, I, we would not have been able to do that without them. Like, the, there wouldn't have been a Nine Mountains trip. There wouldn't have been us getting from Austria to the bottom of Spain. None of it would have really happened because we, we would have failed so early on. Yeah, we massively relied on them. And at no point were they 
did they tell us to bugger off? And we we were in pretty bad situations quite a quite a lot. Was there an argument of any kind? No, no, and and. An argument at that point would have been so damaging because everyone is on their limit. Like, everyone is stressed. Everyone is exhausted. Everyone knows they have to get something done. But, like, you know, the guys we were with would have so many tasks to do in the evening. And yet, when we turned out, we're like, right, massages, do this, get the food ready, blah, blah, blah. Literally, like, telling them to do stuff. And you know they already have 20 other tasks they need to do, but they have to say yes and they have to... And like, they could have easily been like, no, can I just do this first? Because that will help you in the long run. But I need to do these things before I can help with that. But they never once were like, they never said no. They never questioned anything. They never, you know, there was never an argument about anything. Mm. Yeah. Which, I guess when you're all wanting the same thing and reaching the same goal and doing it for such an amazing cause, maybe that just like eliminates any suggestion of bad feeling yeah. and tell me about when you finished that must have been what was that feeling when you and i mean it must have been like pretty historic. incredible it's bizarre that i found it really hard to take it in i guess that's what i'm still a lot of people after you do mm-hmm. like a big event it was actually probably one of the nicest things for for me with the finishing it because the finishing line we were sat on the top of a mountain we were the last people up to the top of this mountain that day and it was just the two of us and the most unbelievable view yeah. I think I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, yeah. And actually to sit there, just the two of us, and we we sat there probably for half an hour just yeah. taking it in, which mm-hmm. as Stag says, you can't, it took weeks yeah. to take it in, but it was a, actually a really, really nice moment yeah. together to be able to just sit there and relax and just... Yeah. It was also, it was kind of like, I, I thought it was quite representative of like the trip because it was like, you know, the car didn't go up any further because there was a barrier. Then we had to do the last 10K, but the last 11K, but it turned into like gravel roads. Like we got about 3K away from the top and it was all snowed and we had to like walk up the top. So we left our bikes, took our shoes off, took our socks off, walked up like right to the summit of this mountain. Uh, and it was just like this, you know, nothing has been easy, nothing has gone right, but we managed just to finish like right. And none of the other mountains we've done were actual summit finishes. Everything else is just a mountain pass and you have peaks around you. But this was actually like at the top of the world, like we were at the top of everything around. And it was just the most like incredible finish. And like yeah. the weather was actually good for once going up these mountains. Yeah. Like we'd had such bad weather going up these mountains. Like it's really hard to take in what's around you, all the beauty, or if it's just lashing with rain or snowing or windy or, but it was actually just so clear and so beautiful. And like, yeah. Mm. And we had like a mountain goat, like lead us <laughs> up to the top, which yeah, it was, weird. was really weird, but it was just like, it led us right to the top and then it headed off. And we were just yeah. like, God, this is quite a, a, like a magical, amazing moment. Would you say you've changed a lot since? We've learned that we can get through things that we might not necessarily thought we could have got through. And yeah. it, it does put things into perspective and it makes you realize about small little fears and challenges and things that you might not think you are capable of doing or aren't you know confident enough to do what you know it's anything like that i try and always think back to the ride because you know we went really deep and we went through some really difficult things and actually you know, you can get through them, as I've said. You know, you, you can always get through things and you should never give up. Yeah. Um, Even if you have the fear of failure, yeah. fear of not reaching the potential, which you guys have, actually 
it shows that you can use that fear for the good and yeah. use it in a healthy way. I suppose those fears are what drive, uh, definitely drive me on day to day. Yeah. yeah. It's not difficult. It's not worth doing. <laughs> yes, George. Yeah, there you go. I always ask everyone this about place and music, about if they're, when they're having a fearful moment, is there a place in your imagination or mind that you would go to? I mean, I, th- I think a few things. I think putting the ride into a bigger picture, so like what we were doing it for, why we were doing the whole thing, who we were raising money for, like all the people that had helped us up to that point, all the people that donated, all this sort of stuff. Um, music definitely helps at the end. We were doing podcasts and music a lot at the end just because mm-hmm. music will and podcasts will cover the physical pain and the mental like anguish you're in. A big thing I remember on quite a few occasions where I felt particularly low was that actually what we were doing was should be and was a complete treat and we were com- we were spoiled to the situation mm. we had put ourselves into and we were doing it for mental health and actually nothing that we were going through would ever compare to the to chronic depression or anything like that mm. so guys what now you've got this film yeah which is going to be incredible and can people still sponsor Yes. Yeah. I suppose hopefully. I mean, hopefully through the through the film, we will raise a little bit more money. Yeah. And yeah. the film is your someone filmed it of your yeah. whole journey. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. they they filmed a little bit before and a bit of training before, and then the entire journey from start to finish. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that would be amazing. Can't wait to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it'll be a pretty open, honest film about what happened like what what we actually went through I hope anyway Um, because it was the camera was always there and I think we like a lot of what we're putting out on social media and everything like that everyone always was like god these guys are having such a good time people kept saying like it looks so amazing which was just it was really misleading because we were literally going through hell but we couldn't really represent that and we couldn't show people Maybe we could have done it better, I don't know. But like, it was just difficult at the time. So hopefully this film shows like the grittiness and the rankness of it and actually the honest hardship that we went through and that we, what, you know, what we had to do to try and finish it. Yeah. yeah. And last question. Yeah. What would you do if fear did not exist? Without fear, you would get nowhere in life. Mm-hmm. So I think without fear, there wouldn't be progression. Mm. And yeah, I love that. It's, I love that. I don't know. I think it's key to it's a key emotion to just the way human nature yeah. works. Mm. And that it's okay to be afraid, and it doesn't make you weak because to be human is to fear. Mm. Yeah, and I think without without much of the biggest accomplishments anyone will do in their life, or the things they're most fond of, will have started with fear. Mm. So without fear, nothing would have ever started. So it's, it's mm. a sort of necessary evil. evil, but maybe it's not evil sort of thing. Maybe it's actually, yeah. it's something that should be embraced, the right sort of fear. Mm. Thanks guys so cool. much. Thank, Thank you very you. much. And you guys are absolute heroes. Thank you for listening to Fear Itself. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be hugely appreciated if you could subscribe on your favourite podcast app and maybe share it with a friend who you think might like it. You can also find me on Instagram at Cressida Bonus. I'd like to give a special thanks to the producer and editor Hannah Varrell 
James and Kazra at One Fine Play for their fantastic studio space, and Malt Martin for his beautiful music. Tune in next week when I will be chatting to another great guest about all things fear. Thanks guys, and see you next week.